Hello, I'm Marcus Louth and welcome to the latest edition of the UFO Insight Podcast, where we examine all things UFOs and aliens, conspiracies and mysteries, and all aspects of the paranormal. Okay, today we'll be examining the grittier side of UFO sightings, those that result in the death of the unfortunate witnesses, whether directly or indirectly. And there are many of these fatal encounters with objects potentially from another world than we might think. And we are not talking about some of the seemingly suspicious deaths of people investigating UFOs, or who might be considered a threat by apparent unknown dark government agencies. The cases we will be examining here are all people whose deaths are connected directly to a UFO encounter. Perhaps the best place to start would be with the apparent UFO encounter and subsequent disappearance of 20-year-old Fred Valentich, who, on the evening of October 21st, 1978, set off in his Cessna airplane and, after encountering an unknown object, simply vanished off the face of the planet. Although he had only recently received his private pilot's licence and had found himself on the radar of aviation authorities for minor offences, he had around 150 hours flying time to his credit and was also qualified to fly at night. It was around 6.20pm when Valentich left the runway in Victoria, Australia, heading across the Bass Strait to King Island in Tasmania. And for the first three quarters of an hour, everything went as planned. Then, however, at precisely 7.06pm, at an altitude of around 4,500 feet, Valentich radioed the control tower asking if there was any other aircraft in his vicinity. When they informed him there wasn't, he immediately replied that he could see another unknown aircraft in the sky, and what's more, it was approaching. He went on to describe this object as having four bright lights that appeared like landing lights. According to the transmission records, the object passed directly over the top of Valentich's plane, and did so with alarming speed. He would state to the control tower that it seemed to him that the object was playing some sort of game with him. Then, an already strange encounter turned even stranger, and deadlier. With the control tower continuing in their attempts to obtain as much information about this strange object as they could, Valentich offered three minutes after he had first reported the object that whatever it was, it was not an aircraft, elaborating several moments later that it had a long shape to it. He would continue that the object had a green light and was sort of metallic. Three minutes later, at 7.12pm, Valentich reported once more that the object was hovering over the top of him and that it wasn't an aircraft. Around 30 seconds later, after the open microphone captured scraping metal-on-metal sounds, the transmission suddenly ended. Shortly after, an extensive search would get underway. It would last for four days and would involve the Royal Australian Air Force and civilian aircraft. In total, over 1,000 square miles were searched but no sign of the wreckage or Valentich himself was ever found. Even the radio survival beacon that was on board the plane failed to identify its location. However, further investigations into the incident would leave people divided as to what had happened. Did Valentich have the misfortune to run into a UFO, or did he simply become disorientated due to his inexperience? According to UFO researcher Timothy Good, those taking part in a search were asked by the military to report any incidents of UFOs or strange lights to them only, and not to speak publicly of any potential sightings. What's more, any planes who were airborne at the time were told to keep any communications they might have heard on a frequency wave unavailable to the public. 
whether these orders, if indeed they were issued, were done so in the knowledge of UFO activity in the region or not, or whether it was simply an order given to prevent panic, remains open to debate. The eventual findings of the report, released in 1982, would state that the reason for the disappearance of the aircraft had not been determined. They did, however, presume that the result was fatal to Valentich. Despite the mystery, perhaps the most convincing evidence that something very much untoward did indeed take place that evening in October 1978 over the Bass Strait are the words of Steve Roby, the person on the radio control in Melbourne. He would state that he didn't for one minute believe that Valentich was attempting to carry out a hoax. Roby would elaborate that in the final moments, he was definitely concerned for his safety. He would further describe his communications as rushed and as if he was startled. There are several theories that have been put forward over the years to explain the bizarre disappearance of Fred Valentich, including that he might have even faked his own death in an attempt to disappear and begin a new life somewhere else. However, the fact remains that nobody has seen Valentich alive or dead in the years that have followed that fateful night in October 1978. In his 1990 book Confrontations, Jack Ballet, a respected ufologist, told of many UFO sightings that had resulted in the deaths of the people who had witnessed them. Perhaps one of the most chilling was an event that occurred in August 1966 in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. A local teenager came upon the corpses of two men while looking for his kite. The scene was puzzling. Both men lay on their backs with no signs of having put up a struggle. Both were dressed in neat raincoats and suits, and both had lead masks near to their heads. Examination of them appeared that they had died from a heart attack, which by itself would not be anything out of the ordinary. However, the fact that the two men, both dressed the same, with makeshift protective headgear, both suffered a heart attack in the same spot at the same time, is more than coincidence. When Valet studied the case notes, he surmised that the two men had been witness to a UFO. He even went as far as to state that they were at least hopeful, if not expecting, to witness such a craft, due to the lead masks that he theorised they had used to offer some kind of protection from any harmful rays. When the deaths of the two young men were announced, others came forward to tell of strange sightings around the area their bodies had been found. Usually reported was an oblong-shaped object that appeared to glow orange and emitted strange beams to the ground. Had this been the craft that the two young men had been hopeful of seeing? Incidentally, you can read an in-depth account of this incident in our book from deep within the archives of UFO Insight. Another account took place three years after the original incident that Valley had travelled to Brazil to investigate, this time in a small town of Analima in Colombia. Just after 7pm on 4th of July 1969, several children saw a strange bright object land in a nearby field of a local farm. One of the main witnesses, Mauricio Neco, had arrived at the farm with his Aunt Rosa, whose cousin was the owner. There were several other children, also part of the same family, and they had arrived to spend several nights there. On the evening in question, Mauricio, along with three cousins, Andres, Marina and Enrique, had ventured onto a hill to look at the stars overhead. It was as they were doing so that they first noticed a strange light, different from the stars, appear overhead. The children remained where they were and watched the light as it moved. As they did so, they could clearly see that it was growing steadily larger, as if it were approaching. Bizarrely though, they noted between themselves that no sound could be heard, even as the object continued its approach. As Mauricio continued to watch, the other children began calling to other family members to come and see this bizarre and unnerving light. 
Grabbing their torches, they began to flash and signal in its direction. The object responded and came rapidly closer to them. The rest of the family, the three adults and six younger children, now alerted by the children's terrified cries, came out to witness the bright craft. In all, there were 13 family members who saw the object overhead. They would describe it as approximately the size of a car in a sphere-like shape. Furthermore, it glowed a particularly bright amber colour which lit up the area below. Then, it began to move again back towards the main house over the field. One of the adults, Arcasio Bermudez, snatched a torch out of his child's hand and made off in the direction the brightly lit craft had gone. He quickly disappeared into the blackberry crops that lined the field. The children followed. As they did, they could hear the general distress of the cattle and chickens, as well as the agitation of the family's dogs. They suddenly arrived at one of the outbuildings behind the main house. There in front of them was Acacio, and across from him was the glowing object, hovering only ever so slightly above the ground. They watched for several minutes as Acacio and the strange object remained opposite to each other, as if in a bizarre standoff. Then, it rose into the air and suddenly took off at breakneck speed into the night sky. Mauricio would recall how it was like something seen in a science fiction movie. They all would return home, and although they would turn into bed as normal, no one in the house slept at all that evening. The next day, the children were to return to their respective homes following the stay. Before doing so, they went to find out Uncle Acacio to thank him and bid him farewell. However, he had remained in bed due to waking up feeling extremely ill. Then, three days later, things took an even more dramatic turn. Mauricio's mother received a call from his auntie. She needed her to come back to the farm and take Acacio to the hospital. In the coming days, Acacio became increasingly ill. Dark blue spots had appeared on his skin and he had a constant feeling of nausea. A week after the sighting, he had died. The official explanation for his death was put down to gastrotinitis. The doctor in charge of his case, however, did note that he could not explain his very low body temperature. In fact, according to some reports, so cold was Acacio, the nurses were not able to take blood samples due to crystallisation having occurred. Perhaps even stranger is the account from Mauricio's mother, who claimed that on the way to the hospital, Acacio leaned on her for a moment. Not only could she feel how disturbingly cold he was, but that cold feeling remained on that side of her body until he passed away three days later. Some reports even state that Acacio had claimed to family that had witnessed a strange creature in a clear part of the top of the craft on the night of the sighting. He had shone his light on it and alerted it to his presence, causing the object to light up once more and vacate the area entirely. How true this claim is, however, remains open to debate. This truly bizarre and tragic case, though, doesn't end there. UFO researchers suggested the unfortunate witness had been exposed to radiation from the UFO. They would seek permission from the family to have his body exhumed in order to perform tests. The family, however, would refuse. Several years later, though, when they eventually agreed to exhume the body, the situation turned even more disturbing. Upon opening the coffin, all present would discover that the body was gone. What's more, there has never been a satisfactory explanation as to what happened to it or who might have taken it. Might we suspect there was a military involvement in the removal of the body, or perhaps even a discreet foreign intelligence, especially given the attention the case received? One particularly outlandish suggestion was that whatever intelligence was behind the strange craft had returned to retrieve his body for study. 
there remains much speculation about this grim theft. Perhaps the claim that rings truest, though, is one that the family themselves learned through their own investigations in the local community. According to what they were told, several strange men had offered a substantial amount of money to one of the gravediggers of the churchyard where Acacia was buried, in return for allowing them to dig up and remove the body. Who these men were, however, is not known. The tragic case of Acacio Bermudez is one that still frustrates UFO investigators and enthusiasts around the world. And while the truth coming to light might be unlikely, perhaps the fact that Acacio's body was taken by a mysterious person or persons leaves open the possibility of a disclosing or leaking of information regarding the case. Without a doubt, one of the strangest cases of a deadly UFO encounter is that of Sergeant Jonathan Levette. According to the report, in March 1956, Levette, along with Major William Cunningham, were in the desert of New Mexico on a retrieval mission following missile tests. Cunningham would later state that Levette had become separated from him when he went to investigate what he thought was debris near a sand dune. As he was doing so, Cunningham claimed that he suddenly heard Levette scream out in terror. He immediately went over to the sand dune Levette had been investigating, and was shocked to see a silver disc hovering a short distance over the top of it. Here, though, is where the story turns even stranger. According to what Cunningham told his superiors, hanging outside of an opening on this silver craft was a snake-like tentacle. Even more disturbing, this thing had wrapped itself around Levette, and was pulling the soldier into the curious vehicle. As we might imagine, to begin with at least, his superiors found it difficult to believe Cunningham's account, suspecting that the two soldiers had quarrelled and Cunningham had killed Levette intentionally or not. Three days later, however, Levette's body was discovered, and the state it was in appeared to corroborate Cunningham's version of events. Not only had Levette's eyes and tongue been removed, but his entire body had been drained of every last drop of blood. Was some kind of snake-like extraterrestrial responsible for his death? If we jump forward a quarter of a century to 1981, in the Panorama region of Brazil, we find the case of Abel Boro, whose body was found in a similar state following a string of UFO sightings in the region. What made these particular sightings intriguing was that many of the reports stated that these strange objects would project a laser-like beam toward the ground, and this could very well have been the case with the object that Burrow witnessed. On the night in question, Burrow, along with a friend, witnessed a circular object overhead, which had various parts spinning within itself, as well as lights so bright that it lit up the entire area as if it was the middle of the day. Then, without warning, the object descended toward the ground, and more specifically, towards Burrow. Moments after it had done so, a beam of light appeared from underneath the object and appeared to encase Burrow's entire body. His friend ran back home in order to get help. When he returned, however, he and several others discovered Burrow dead. Even more unsettling, his body was completely white and drained of blood. A very similar string of sightings unfolded in Lucknow, India during the summer of 2002, that, according to an article in the Victoria Advocate, caused the deaths of several people. Many residents of the region had reported seeing disc-shaped and spherical-shaped objects that moved with great speed across the sky. As they did so, strange flashing lights came from them lighting up the ground below. Further, according to the article, where many of these objects were seen, a total of seven people were discovered dead, each of the unfortunate victims appearing to have suffered something similar to electrocution. 
even stranger. At least 20 local residents simply vanished altogether during the wave of UFO sightings and still remain missing today. If we return to Brazil for a moment, over half a century earlier in March 1946, there is the particularly gruesome case of Joa Prestes Filho, which shares similar details to the cases we have just examined. According to most sources, Filho ran into the house he shared with his sister one evening after having spent the day on a fishing trip, in a complete state of shock and panic. He claimed that as he was making his way home, a bizarre object appeared in the sky overhead. He watched it for several moments before a beam of light came from the object striking his leg. Although it appeared he was initially only slightly injured from this strange strike, by later in the evening his condition had deteriorated and he was clearly in need of medical attention. Not only was he feeling unwell, but the flesh on his leg where the light beam had struck him was now beginning to fall away from the bone. According to the report, his leg appeared like a joint of meat that had been slow boiled for several hours. Ultimately, Philo died in hospital a short time later. Officially, the cause of his death is unexplained. One theory put forward to explain his grim end was that he might have been struck by lightning. However, a check of the weather records show no signs of any storms on the night in question. We will stay in Brazil for our next case, that of Ravelino Marfa da Silva, a single father to three young boys following the death of his wife, who on the evening of August 19, 1962, experienced what would seemingly be a deadly UFO encounter. The main witness to this incident was Ravelino's 12-year-old son, Raimondo. He was stayed on the night in question. He and the rest of the family were awoken by a large shadow in the bedroom they all shared. He would further state that this shadow was half the size of a man, and not shaped like a human being. They watched as the shadow seemingly went to each member of the family, looked at them, and then ultimately disappeared. A moment later, however, the family could hear voices coming from outside of their small home, one of which said, This seems to be Revelino. In response to this, Revelino got out of his bed and walked quickly into the living room, simultaneously calling out, asking who was speaking. Although they wouldn't reveal their identities, one of the voices stated that they were going to kill him. Ultimately, the voices soon stopped, and it appeared whoever they had belonged to were no longer outside the house. However, given the surreal nature of the event, none of the family could return to sleep, and so waited in the living room for daylight. When morning arrived though, the events would take an even more concerning turn. Raimondo was outside doing his chores when he noticed two strange spherical objects overhead, one black and white and the other completely solid black. The young boy could also hear a distinct humming sound which we attributed to the bizarre craft. Even stranger, he could see what seemed to be bright flashes or even flames coming from what he presumed was the back of the craft. At this point, Raimondo called out for his father, who soon came running out of the house to see what the problem was. Then, things turned even stranger. The two objects, as if in response to Ravelino's appearance, immediately morphed into one spherical object and headed towards the father of three. When it was almost directly overhead, a yellow fog or mist emerged from the object and completely engulfed Ravelino. Several moments later, when this yellow fog had cleared, both the object and Revelino were nowhere to be seen. After failing to locate his father, Raimondo would contact the local police and relay the events of the last few hours. Needless to say, they were largely dismissive of his account, even suspecting that he himself might have killed his father.
when drops of blood were discovered inside the home, which, incidentally, could not be confirmed to be that of the missing man, this only increased their suspicions. So much so, in fact, that they even attempted to trick the young boy into confessing to the murder by telling him they had found his father's body nearby. He still, however, didn't waver from the account he had first given, and he wouldn't do so no matter how many times he spoke of the incident over the years. Furthermore, he was deemed to be perfectly sane by psychiatrists, and at the very least, that he firmly believed that what he was saying was true. We should note that according to some sources, in the days leading up to Revelino's disappearance, several of his co-workers reported seeing two strange creatures around three feet tall. The creatures were near Revelino's house, and appeared to be digging a hole. As soon as they realised they were being watched, they stopped what they were doing and ran into the nearby woodland. Moments later, a strange red object rose into the sky near to where the two creatures had ran to and ascended with great speed. Another point of interest is that according to a publication in 1963, skeletal remains were discovered near Avellino's home. It is said that a belt belonging to him was discovered with the remains and that they were officially identified as being the missing man. However, there appears to be much discrepancy as to whether these were indeed the real remains or not. Just what happens to Avellino Martha da Silva will likely remain a mystery for the foreseeable future. It is, though, a truly unsettling case, of that there is no doubt. As we can see then, there are many more unsettling and disturbing deaths connected to UFO sightings than we might suspect, and while some of these accounts appear to be cases of people being in the wrong place at the wrong time and being harmed as a result, others suggest a purposeful targeting of certain individuals. It is perhaps worth noting the thoughts of Jack Valet, who after his investigations into some of the strange deaths in South America, particularly Brazil, offered that many of the victims who had witnessed UFOs had died from high-powered pulsed microwaves, essentially as if they had been placed into a large microwave and cooked. Whether these strange deaths were intentional or just a result of someone being in the vicinity to such a strange craft is open to debate, as is who the people behind these apparent microwaves might have been. Were the individuals we have examined here essentially killed by aliens, whether purposely or not? If there is any truth to any of these claims, then it should cause all of us to rethink what we think we know of the universe, and perhaps more importantly, our place in it. For now, I will simply thank you for joining me, and be sure to leave any thoughts in the comments, and check out the links for further reading on some of the cases and theories we have been discussing here today. Remember to subscribe to our channel and follow us on social media to keep up to date on future podcasts, articles and videos. And as always, if there's anything that you want us to feature on future podcasts, then just get in touch at marcus at ufoinsight.com. Until next time, goodbye and take care. Thank you.